We're back in the saddle again, folks, with this new episode as John Carippo, an old friend of the podcast, jumps in to talk about remote learning as we kick off the new school year. Most of you know John as the Chief Learning Officer for Q and all of their amazing PD opportunities. John is one of my go-to guys on everything ed tech. He brings great perspective as the co-author of Edu Protocols, a great book series on tech integration in schools. You certainly want to follow John on Twitter at jcarippo and check out the Q website. Uh, you can find the address in the show notes. As we wrap up this episode, I have an exciting announcement about how you can get a free Zoom meeting with yours truly as we kick off another school year. So let's crank it up, folks. The Reimagined Schools podcast begins right now. I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagined Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. My guest today is an old friend of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Very excited to have John Carippo back in the house. How are you, John? Oh, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. You know me. I love I love living in the gray. That's what my wife calls it. I love living in the gray. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, obviously, it's been a crazy four or five months dealing with, uh, you know, who would have thought we would be talking about a global pandemic and uh, dealing with that at the end of last school year. Just for context, we're recording this on July 30th of 2020 as teachers are getting ready to go back to the classroom. So let's just talk about this idea of remote learning. Well, I would like to just start with this, is that uh, remote learning is not as exotic as what I would call a brick and mortar teacher might fancy. You know, uh, and I've been that, right? So I've, I've been a face-to-face -face teacher for years, Greg, but I want you to think about this and just, I would love to know your thoughts. Um, how many people are going to get an online degree this year from college? Online, baby. Yeah, they are in my program. Yeah, and if you've watched uh, the interns uh, with uh, Luke Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn, you know that uh, that uh, Phoenix uh, University of Phoenix is the Harvard of the West, right? <laughs> so, uh, so there's one perception. Uh, that we can shift, right? So the next one is, you, Greg, how long have we had homeschool parents? And and I, I, I'll clarify on that a little bit, but there's a lot of kids that do really well in online independent learning. And I think that um, while switching from face-to-face -face is a dramatic change for teachers who are used to face-to-face, I would just caution people to really keep an open mind because there are groups of people that have been doing this very effectively for a long time. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like when your friend takes you to a restaurant that you've never been for and it seems really weird at first, but then 
two trips later, you're dragging other friends in there going, you should check this out. It's so cool. I think everybody's had that experience at some point, right? Yeah. Your friend takes you to a genre of restaurant that you've never been to and you're a little intimidated. But by the time you figure out the menu and you've got your way through a dessert, you're already planning who you're going to bring next time. And I think we need to just have that same kind of approach. It's okay to be anxious. I'm not saying don't be anxious. Difference, you know, when things are different, people are anxious. I get that. But I don't think it's as scary as, as uh, maybe what it's cracked up to be. And, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day. One of my kind of pet peeves about this whole thing is I don't like the term remote learning. I don't like the term distant learning. Um, you know, I, it, it's online learning, folks. And I, if I had a dollar for every YouTube video that I watched to learn how to do something in my personal life, I mean, you can learn yeah. so many wonderful things. And I, I just think the terminology sometimes is a barrier because we still have so many people that think getting on that school bus, driving to the brick and mortar building, sitting in the four walls of that classroom is the only way learning can occur. And we have to get, we have to get rid of that concept. Yeah, well, and I think you're, you're right on the same wavelength as I am. It's learning, folks. It is learning. If you go back in history, for example, um, it was common knowledge that at the time of the American Revolution through the Civil War era that, um, that it took folks about 100 hours of sustained practice to learn to read. So when you shift your paradigm from I've got to be in class every day for six hours, right, to how fast can we learn this, which is basically what YouTube's bringing us. And then I'm hearing more and more teachers say this now, YouTube's too slow. YouTube is too slow. They want to learn in TikTok because they've only got 45 seconds. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, that's an interesting matrix, right? So again, it's all about paradigms and what we expect, right? And what we're comfortable with. That's really the big thing. Yeah, and one of the things, again, I, I've been having some conversations, as I know you have, uh, everyone wants to know, you know, what's this look like? What am I supposed to do? What app? What program? And mm -hmm. I always start real simple. I, you know, there's really two kinds of online learning, synchronous or asynchronous. And yep. this idea that, you know, all second graders are going to get together at 10 o'clock and have math or spelling is not realistic in, in what we're dealing with here because, Parents are going to be working. They're going to be, you know, with grandparents, uh, family members. Maybe some of them are going to be latchkey kids. And it's just, mm -hmm. I think it's unrealistic to think that everyone's going to get together for math at 10 o'clock. Why can't we, you know, move towards some kind of asynchronous model where they can just do it on their own time? Well, I'm going to push back on that one a little bit, Greg, because uh, we've seen this in the past. I want you to just think of Accelerator Reader. Think of what's happened in that paradigm where kids have their friend logging in for them and doing those kinds of things. That's, there's a tricky matrix there that if you're going to truly have people be independent learners, you can't just give them what I would call an online Scantron or robo teaching because they will uh, start cheating like crazy, right? So you've got to change the nature of the activity. One of the saddest things I've seen all spring, or one of the things that makes me sad, maybe that's a better way to say it, is teachers that are posting, how do I put editable boxes on a PDF? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is just a series of disappointing outcomes. Because number one, you're going to spend hours adding those boxes to all your PDFs, which weren't good PDFs in the first place, right? And then you're going to email it to the kids and say, fill these in. And if you think that the kids are not going to screenshot those and share them, 
then you are you are semi delusional in that setting because there's a vast majority of your kids are gonna just take their phone out and say here you go and here's why it's a Ken Robinson thing it's a uh, oh my gosh who's the other guy I'm thinking of um, several teachers uh, and teacher leaders will tell you this if the kids are not involved in the work they are not going to value the work and they will do the exact same thing that a lot of us may have done in our college classes, which is get the work done with the least work possible. So I think it's a really sweet blend between uh, synchronous learning that's not too long and asynchronous learning that once you train them, right, once you train them, then they are able to learn anything they want independently. And that's the hook. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And Another thing that I think about talking with a lot of elementary school teachers, in my opinion, this type of remote learning is probably tougher on the primary grade students than it would be middle school, junior high, high school students that may already be engaged in some type of flipped classroom. And, right. you know, working with that, that primary age group, uh, you know, they're probably the ones that need the, the most face-to-face -face instruction as they're learning basic skills. But what, what's some advice you have for the primary teacher, maybe the kindergarten teacher out there, you know, pulling her hair out right now? Yeah, well, the first one is, um, it's the same exact problem you're going to have in sixth grade, right? I can't make the kids look at me right now. That's the shift. I can't make them pay attention. Because guess what, Greg, if they don't pay attention in the old days, and I did this, I was a Harry Wong graduate in the old days. Uh, if you don't pay attention, I'm going to bench you right? If you don't uh, finish this worksheet on time, I'm going to bench you. You're going to lose your recess. I have lost that tool as a leadership tool now. So I'm going to have to let, make learning interesting and attractive. Um, I'm going to go back in the classroom in about two weeks, and I'm going to have sixth and seventh graders online. And if I want them to do work for me, I can't just threaten them with things. I'm going to have to be attractive. Um, the next thing I would tell for our primary folks is get on the internet and look up Ben Cogswell. And if you're not on Twitter, here's your opening. Um, his Twitter handle is at Coach Ben. Or get online and look at Megan Cannon Johan. Her um, Twitter handle is Johan Mundy, M-U-N-D-Y. And these are, these are teachers that are doing amazing things with, with primary kids. Ben teaches 88% second language kids in kindergarten. And he has over 160 seesaw activities that kindergarten teachers can just download. Uh, shout out to one more, um, Jennifer Dean. Her Twitter handle, I think, is at TechieGen with a Y and two Ns. These guys are doing Seesaw, they're doing Pear Deck, they're doing Nearpod with really, really little kids, and they're doing really well. And, you know, I think there's a place where it's just an open mind thing, because uh, for years, primary teachers have said, well, kids need to do handwriting for their fine motor skills. Have you heard that discussion, Greg? Sure. And I don't disagree. Learning handwriting is great. But guess what? Uh, you can learn fine motor skills by drawing on your uh, Chromebook screen with your finger. You can, there's a lot of ways to do fine motor skills. Being able to use a trackpad is a fine motor skill. And so what we do in the primary with our stuff, which is we use the edge of protocols a lot in our group. Um, what we do is we just slim down the learning, get the kids oriented at first, right? You make the task, just do these two things. And the thing could be about your cat or your dog or your favorite sports team or your favorite food. And then once kids know how to do the thing, then I slowly ratchet up the cognitive load. Yeah, and you talked about edu protocols, and uh, John is the co-author of a great book. Uh, the new the new edition is at the edu protocol field guide. 
Uh, co-author is Marlena Heburn. Uh, for maybe folks not familiar with Edu Protocols, can you give us the quick five-minute elevator speech? Yeah, the five-minute elevator speech is um, moving away from workbooks, moving away from corporately produced lesson plans, um, coming up with really interesting activities that kids want to do, and then that, that you can easily repeat a couple of times a week or once a week all year long. So your planning time goes down dramatically. And then we've also designed in ways that folks can um, easily grade them in real time because the first couple of rounds we go for participation. Think of it like PE, Greg, if you're taking a PE class on curling, because uh, you look like a guy who might like cur curling, but you've never curled, right? You've seen it on TV. Your PE teacher isn't going to just take you right out and have you start curling. They're going to teach you things like how to be safe on the ice, and they're going to teach you things, maybe some curling bloopers and maybe greatest hits of curling and show you some of the basic moves, and then they're going to work you into that. But what we tend to do in education is we go right for the throat, right? Here's a Venn diagram, Henry VIII, and you're like, oh, okay, I don't even know what we're doing right now. And so there's, the, in Edge of Protocols, we try to reduce the cognitive load, uh, the first couple of reps. Um, one of the ones that's really popping right now is Math Reps, and that's actually going to be the third Edge of Protocols book, which is an all-math edition. And in Math Reps, uh, what Lisa Nowakowski did is just crazy brilliant. She took the eight parts Math Rep, which is where you do all eight parts of speech every day instead of one a week. So in three weeks, you've done all eight parts of speech three weeks instead of one part each week. See that little math difference right there? Mm -hmm. Instead of doing nouns for a week and verbs for a week, you're going to do them all for three weeks. It's three more times on task. So Lisa exported that concept to math. So Greg, think about this in, in math reps. Um, everything you need to be able to divide on one graphic organizer. So you don't do a week of area model and a week of algorithm and a week of prime factorization and a week of greatest numerator. You don't do that. You just put it all into one graphic organizer. You do the same organizer every day. You just change the number. So the prep time for teachers is tiny and the kids' cognitive load is reduced because they know what the work is every day, right? So that's the basic Edge of Protocols concept is how can we do several standards at once over multiple days and do them in a way that's super attractive to kids so they actually beg for more. And if, if people check out the hashtag Edge of Protocols, they'll see teachers doing some crazy cool stuff all over the planet. Yeah, you definitely want to check out this book, folks. You can go to eduprotocols.com. You certainly want to follow John at, at Jay Carippo on Twitter. You know, John, one of the really cool things that I think you've done recently is the collaboration with Dr. Sonny Magana. And uh, oh, yeah. for people that aren't familiar with Dr. Magana, he, he's one of the true pioneers in the ed tech space and uh, created the T3 framework. Can you talk about how you guys kind of got together and what that's going to mean moving forward? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, big shout out to Jay Sorensen for connecting us. What? JJ, way to go, Jay Sorensen, uh, at Mr. Sorensen805 on the Twitter. And um, Jay recognized he was working with Sonny and he was a fan of Edger Protocols. Then he basically introduced us. We ended up doing a session at ISTE uh, last summer. And it's just been a love affair ever since between the two. Uh, Sonny, Sonny likes to use the Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup scenario. You got protocols in my framework and I got 
framework in your protocols. <laughs> so it's like when you put peanut butter and chocolate together because they're very complementary. They're both good by themselves, but together they're a whole new thing. And what Sunny's added to the protocols is a real, you know, Oxford level research approach on the effectiveness and the impact. And if and I'm sure, Greg, that you've you've read Hattie and you've read Marzano and you've uh, re, you know seen Sugata Mitra and Ken Robinson and all those things. But what Edge bring? How do I do this into the picture? Because in, um, in I, I can't tell you how many PD events I've been to where people are walking out going, yeah, the kids are supposed to do the work and the teachers are supposed to just coach them. And yeah, Sir Ken's right. Creativity is the thing. But then what happens is we, we end up slipping right back into the, I'm going to hand out some worksheets because I don't know what to do today. And so um, protocols allow that piece. And then it merges with Sonny's T3 concept because in the T3, I love Sonny, uh, Sonny's um, analogy of music or, or guitar playing. Mm -hmm. So T1 is I can, I can only play two songs. So if you're stuck with me at the campfire, I hope you like Hotel California and uh, Smoke on the Water because that's all I'm going to play all night, right? So that's, that's a teacher that's just trying to get through the book. That's T1. And then T2 is I'm a great cover band. I can, I can play a bunch of Wang Chung and Fix for you. I can do a little concert, but I can only play their songs. That's really a T2 level where teachers are, um, they're now proficient at using the book. They know where to find things. They can duplicate things at a high level. And then the T3 level, which is I am now being my own band, right? I'm, I'm the dropkick Murphys. I'm on tour. I'm doing my own stuff. And that T3 level in the teaching side looks like I'm active on Twitter. I'm sharing lessons. I'm presenting. I'm articulating ideas between teachers in three or four states. I'm working across grade levels to get best concepts. So that T3 and the protocols work really nicely together because what teachers can do is they can copy our templates and start making them their, their own. And we've seen so many teachers that have gone out and done, you know, just totally different iterations by remixing them. And that, that really boosts teachers to that T3 level, which is what Sonny loves. My guest today is John Carippo. Most of you know him from his association with Q as the chief learning officer, uh, Q Rockstar, all the great uh, PD that, that Q puts out. But John, you have uh, some exciting uh, new things happening in your life. So let's jump into that, going back into the classroom. Yeah, so um, the protocol thing is is really going well right now. And um, I was I was thinking of a couple of things, like how can I support that better on a worldwide basis? And then my Q work, and if you guys, you know, if you've watched me on Twitter or whatever on social media, I'm pretty active with the Q stuff. We ran a 5,000 person event this spring um, for Spring Q. We ran a 1,500 person event um, called Q Bold in May. We probably have done gosh, 25 or 30 PD events in June and July for districts. And so that keeps me really busy. And I, I realized that Edge of Protocols was, I was doing it off the side of my desk and maybe it needed some more attention. So I looked around and I was like, hey, maybe I could be an admin at a little school somewhere. And then I realized there's no such thing as being an admin at a little school. If you're an admin, you're an admin. And then I was like, well, maybe maybe I could go um, work for like a, a, a county office, right? And I've done that. That's an intense job. It's different, but it's also intense. And then I said, wait a minute. I haven't been in a classroom for seven years. Maybe we need some new protocols. So I'm going to go do a few more years in the classroom and uh, update my protocols, make some new protocols. And then that's going to give me a little bit of white space because in California, teachers 183 days, if I got that correct. So that gives me a little white space to do some PD for Q and keep that moving because we have so much good momentum. 
and maybe write the next Edge of Protocols book, which we are going to build for pre-service teachers. Because one thing I've been seeing a lot of is these teachers are coming out of college and they've worked hard and they've gotten good grades, but they are not prepared for what's actually in a classroom. You know, one of the reasons I really like talking with you is, is you're a deep thinker and you spend a lot of time, you know, formulating your thoughts and what you're going to write and what you're going to speak about. So I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole a little bit. So I apologize in advance. But as we come out of the other side of this COVID-19 and, and all the things we've been dealing with, uh, obviously there are some unintended consequences here. But at, when we come out of this, how do you think we're going to look back and reflect on this whole idea of online learning and really putting more technology at the forefront of teaching and learning. Okay, well, let me, let me give you a little one-man poll right now. Uh, Greg, what percent of teachers were proficient at running a Zoom, uh, a Microsoft Teams meeting, or a Google Meet? What, per, what percent was proficient at that last February? I know it wasn't nearly high enough. Yeah, so let's go with like, my favorite number is like 5% that were proficient at teaching through that model, right? It was a pretty small number. So Greg, what percent do you think is way better now? Well, I would say if you don't know how to engage in Zoom and those kind of things, you're probably not gonna make it. Right, so would, would it be safe to say that it's above 60% now by comparison? I, I was gonna say 75, but I'll yeah. see the 75 is probably the sweet spot. Yeah, and I, I wanna allow for the fact that not everybody's there yet, that's okay right? That's, 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 that's okay. Everybody doesn't have to be better. Dude, that's a lot of change. If your paycheck went up 65 to 70%, that's a lot more money, right? Good point. So, so to answer your question, I think first things first is uh, teachers have had to really deal with what's it like to be engaging. And I know it's been hard on a lot of people because kids aren't showing up, but kids don't show up for a lot of reasons. They might be showing up because they need to go get tested with their parents. They might show up because there's only one laptop in the house and they, they have internet, but they don't have the laptop because their brother or sister has it or their mom or dad. Uh, some of them are doing daycare for their siblings. You know, there's a lot of reasons kids aren't showing up, but I think what's been inserted into the mix right now is can I build culture? And I think that if, if you look at people being reflective about because every teacher I think that's worth their salt which I think is the vast majority has got to be saying am I engaging them as people right now right because it really to me clarifies the whole I'm good at handing out worksheets or I'm good at getting to finish the project or I'm good at kids getting to get through the book but there's a whole other piece of this puzzle that we've been missing which is am I a leader of young people and I think that that is a factor for people um, the other thing along those lines is um, I think that there's been a hue and cry for PD right now that's biblically, it's like biblical amount. Um, we used to be super happy to get 20 or 30 people into a, a seminar online and we're like, yeah, if you get the right 30 people, that's awesome. I've had a couple of sessions. I did Nearpod, Pear Deck, and, and uh, Book Creator. Greg, we had like 700 people in those Zoom sessions and they were eating it up. So I think when you look down the road, six, seven months, uh, depending on how long it takes, I think that the, the um, most astute teachers, the most observant teachers are going to go back to class and say things like, I still, needed, I still need to uh, build culture. Like, I, I, I think I see people moving off. Um, I, th I see people moving away from that kind of test and punish model is what I'm seeing. That's my hope. And I don't think it'll be, everybody 
Um, but I do think if we go from 5% thinking that way to 30% thinking way, oh my gosh, that's a lot more. And that group could be the base camp that really builds for the real flip of education. So I think that there's, there's a door or a window open here for a lot of change. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the big thing for me, and um, you know, I'm going to give you a closing thought as we kind of wrap up the conversation, but there's, there's enough negativity out there um, that we need educators at all levels to be very positive right. about the start right. of the school year and look right. at this as an opportunity. And teaching and learning is going to take place. Yes, it's going to look different, but it's also a great opportunity to really, uh, you know, dive into some new strategies, some new thoughts, you know, use some of the edu protocols, hyperdocs, you know, blended learning concepts, you know, use this opportunity to become a better practitioner. Um, you know, what are your closing thoughts on just advice for teachers out there that are still a little anxious about what's going to happen? Well, I think community and mental health have to come first. And I know people worry about, you know, learning loss and all those kinds of things. But I mean, let's be pragmatic about it. What's more important right now, people having a good self-image and being comfortable with the situation or freaking out that they're at a level four instead of a level five, right? And um, I feel very confident as an individual teacher that when I do get those kids back face-to-face, -face, I can grow them very quickly because what I know, uh, uh, what happens with the edge of protocols concept. So for me, it's, it's very, very doable. But I think um, my email quote right now is from Mr. Rogers. And it said, my mom always used to tell me that when things were scary, look for the helpers. There's always helpers. And any teacher that has any kind of good presence on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you'll see dozens and dozens of free opportunities for professional development. Um, I think that if you want help, it's there. You just got to be willing to look a little. I think that is really important for the children that we broadcast a sense that the adults have this. Um, I think in private conversations, it's definitely okay to say, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm needy because I do the same thing with my friends. But I think publicly it's very important that teachers aren't on major news medias crying about their classroom because I think that it transmits a lot of anxiousness to the kids. And I think our best job as teachers is say, don't worry kids, the adults have got you covered. And, and I know that that may be a little aspirational and I'm okay with that, right? Everybody may not be able to hit it. Maybe I guess what I'm saying is being mindful of what kids might hear. No different than if you're talking about your family budget. You don't want to do that right in front of the kids all the time, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, you hit the nail right on the head about opportunity. Every day I open up my Twitter feed, and I can't tell you how many free webinars or virtual conferences or whatever the case may be. And Q's a big part of that. You're a big part of that. So kudos to you for providing so many wonderful opportunities. But it's out there. And you can even, you know, if you want to do a quick YouTube search of how to use Nearpod, you'll probably find 100 videos. Yeah, yeah. Just think like the kids. If you say, I'd like to use this, and you look up that hashtag on Twitter or YouTube, you'll find a plethora of people that are more than willing to help you, more than willing. Yeah. So don't be afraid to reach out. It's okay. And I'll tell you what I do. Uh, here I am. I'm John Carripo, two books, assistant Sue, blah, 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 all the blah, blah. I email my friends all the time. I go, bro, I can't find the button. There's, and they, they're more than happy to answer. And usually they say, well, you've helped me a bunch. I'm just flattered that I can help you. And I think that that, that camaraderie between teachers is really critical right now. You know, yeah. the idea that we can do this. And that's really the big thing, right? Uh, we got this. We'll be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, as, as our governor here in Kentucky says, we're all in this together, and uh, we're going to yeah. make it. It's going to be ugly at times, but we're going to make it. And, and we need the teachers and leaders uh, throughout the country to be that positive voice of reason and, you know, say it's, it's okay to say, you know what, guys, last week wasn't very good, uh, but we're going to try something different. We're going to try to get to where we need to be, and that's, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, it, it, it's very much a kind of a Bob Ross perspective, right? Happy little trees, happy little teachers. And we're, we're going to have an enjoyable day. And then as teachers get better at it, guess what? They can crank things up when they're ready. You don't have to come right out of the gate with six hours of lessons prepped. Um, we share a thing in Edge Protocols called Smart Start, and we're going to update it next week. So again, the date today is July 30th. We're going to update it next week. And so um, it'll be a little drag and drop menu of how you can build your first week of school. Wow. And we're going to share that for free. So you can say, you know, I'm going to do these three activities on Monday. I'm going to do these three on Tuesday. I'm going to do those four on Wednesday. I'm going to do those five on Friday. And then by the end of the week, you've got your kids trained in about six or seven different kind of educational things. But they've been fun because we're doing it on Colonel Sanders or Vans Tennis Shoes or White Castle Hamburgers. And so week two, I can just flip the kids right into that same workflow, but with different content. It's very cool. It's very chill. You're laughing. You're getting to know the kids. Frankly, for me, um, I got into this to be an, a leader of children, not a distributor of worksheets. So I'm, I'm like a hog in, in high tide right now. Like this is, this is really about leading kids. I love it. Yeah. And, and the focus has to be on the teaching and the learning again. I, you know, I open my Twitter feed every day and schools are trying to figure out how to create these pandemic pods and have PPP all over the building. I understand that those things are necessary, but we've got to really place our time and attention into how to teach kids this fall. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to take it one day at a time, right? What's the old saying? How to eat the elephant? One bite at a time, baby. Yeah. And this year, the year is the elephant. If you're 160 days or 180 days, I'm going to just knock down one at a time. I'm going to reflect. I'm not going to be too hard on myself. And if something works, I'm going to do more of it. And so if it doesn't work, I'm going to stop right now. Yeah. Well, thanks, John, for your time. I always love talking with you. You're such a wealth of information. And good luck on your new adventure back in the classroom. I, I know you're looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to probably start up a video blog. And uh, I'm going to do a lot of like step-by-step -step type of stuff. So like imagine a scenario where you say, I wish my kids were better at, or it seems like they're struggling with. And then I'm going to try to take people through the whole design process of what does that look like to build that out uh, using protocols and share it freely so that other people who are probably having similar problems, you know, I get to present all over the place and almost everywhere I go, Greg, the problem's exactly the same. Yeah. And the problem is the kids don't want to hear my lecture and the kids don't want to do my worksheet, no matter how good it is. Right. And um, then that makes me feel left out. And so I'm going to flip that on its head and I'm going to come up with activities that kids want to do and I'm going to help them doing on my content. And that's the basic run of the whole thing right there. And, you know, just hearing you talk right then, I can envision the Carippo classroom live YouTube uh, and, you know, just bring people in from all over the country. Yeah. You can show them what's going on in your class and help people along the way. I'm going to literally probably have some people guest teaching in my online classroom. Why not? I can, I'm unlimited by time and space, right? So I could literally have Kim Bogey or you drop in and do a quick lesson. And uh, it's a, that's the open-minded part. I can have guest, guest speakers because now everybody knows how to Zoom. <laughs> so okay. I can have guest speakers from anywhere on the planet. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well, thanks again, John. I appreciate your time, bud. 
You are certainly welcome, Greg. Uh, I hope that our, our just cheerful banter has maybe brought some solace to some folks and some peace. Uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, done is better than good. Is, am I saying that right? Yeah, done is better than perfect. And uh, if you can get through the day and keep the kids comfortable and happy and learn a little bit, you're doing, you're doing good, and that's good for today. Yeah, that's a great way to end. And so, folks, you want to follow John on, on the Twitters, and you also want to check out Edu Protocols. And as always, folks, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Hey, everyone. Greg Goins here. And I want to thank you for your continued support of the Reimagined Schools podcast. If you're a fan of the show, I hope you can like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to give us a review to help attract new listeners. I'm also very excited to announce a new sponsorship drive for the podcast as we roll into the upcoming school year. For just 99 cents a month, you can support the podcast and help with those behind-the-scenes expenses that are necessary to keep the conversation going. To become a sponsor, you can visit anchor.fm slash greg slash support, or you can find the link in the show notes to get started. As a sponsor of the podcast, you just might get a shout-out on an upcoming episode, or even better, the first 10 new sponsors will get a free Zoom meeting with yours truly, and I'll be glad to meet with you one-on-one -on -one in a small group setting, or you can even bring along your principal and schedule a school-wide PD opportunity. The choice is up to you. Even better, you can pick the topic or I'll give you my latest presentation on my top 10 strategies for remote learning. Just let me know what you want to do and I'll be glad to help you reimagine schools within your own school district. So be sure to click on that sponsorship link in the show notes or visit anchor.fm slash greg slash support to support the show. I look forward to a virtual visit with your school as we kick off the new school year.